go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2. That's where we're going to be in God's Word. If you're with us for the first time this year, uh, we began this journey in the book of Mark. And what I love about the book of Mark is that right off the bat, in Mark chapter 1, he, he makes an incredible proclamation. Mark, he says something out loud and he says something for everyone to hear. And, and this is what he said. He said, I have good news. I have good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, right after that, he tells us about this guy named John the Baptist. And we know that God prepared the way for Jesus through John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was preaching a message of repentance. Uh, he was preaching a message of baptism. And, and right after that, Jesus came to John the Baptist and said, I want to be baptized. And John the Baptist baptized him and Jesus came as well with a proclamation. Jesus said something very important, and we're going to hear this over and over again throughout the book of Mark because I I believe it's the theme of the book of Mark. Jesus said these words. Here's the proclamation that he made in Mark chapter 1. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the message of Jesus Christ. That was the message of Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 1. It's the message that we've continued to see all the way through uh, in, into the book of Mark. And when I think about the book of Mark, I think about a herald. Now, you know what a herald is. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines a herald as one who proclaims news. A herald is an official messenger. So think about that for just a moment. A herald is one who proclaims news. Let me tell you something. Jesus is proclaiming news. He's proclaiming good news. As a matter of fact, I believe Jesus is the herald of all heralds because he has the greatest message, the greatest news that anyone can hear. And I'm going to tell you something. He is calling all sinners. He is calling all sinners to attention. He wants all sinners to hear what he has to say. And I love this because I believe we've already seen it. We've already seen it in his preaching. We've already seen it in his teaching. We, we saw it last week in his healing. You remember what happened last week when we were looking at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The, the four men who demonstrated their faith, right? Their faith could be seen. It was evidenced. These four men brought their paralytic friend to Jesus. And now they brought their friend to Jesus thinking, hey, this Jesus, we know he, he can heal. We know he can do it. Uh, they wanted a physical healing, didn't they? They wanted their friend to be able to get up and walk again. Well, let me just tell you something. Jesus is more concerned with your spiritual healing than he is your physical healing. But that don't mean he can't physically heal you. What Jesus said to that paralytic was, son, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus saw to his heart. When everyone else could only see his legs, Jesus saw his heart. And Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees, the teachers of the law were there, and they didn't like what Jesus said. They didn't like the way he said it. And so Jesus, he understood what they were thinking. He knew what they were thinking, not just in their minds, but in their hearts. And Jesus said, okay, I'll do it the way you want me to do it. I'll show you that I could do it either or. And it's the same. Jesus said, get up off your mat and go. And he did. And so what we see is we see Jesus not just preaching a message with his mouth, but he's preaching a message with his life. He's preaching a message with his actions. He's got good news. It's the repentance of sin. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith in the Messiah, 
It's forgiveness and freedom. That's the message of Jesus. And so today, I want you to think about Jesus as the herald, right? He's got good news, and he's telling everybody about this good news. He's calling all sinners, and we come to an incredible passage of Scripture right here, verses 13 through 17. It's the calling of Levi. You might also know him as Matthew. Listen to this, beginning in verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Two words, look at it. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What what an awesome passage of Scripture. Once again, we see Jesus doing what He came to do, and that is preach the Word, teach the Word. He is proclaiming truth to all who will listen to Him, to all who will hear Him. And I want to say it again. What was His truth? What was His proclamation? His proclamation was this. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. It's time to repent and believe the good news. This was the message of repentance of sin, faith in Jesus, and forgiveness and freedom from sin. This was the message. This was the proclamation of God's amazing grace. Jesus was saying it with his mouth, and what these people were missing with their eyes is that he is the good news. He is God's amazing grace to them. And so Jesus is preaching and teaching, and I believe in this passage of Scripture, in verses 13 through 17, I believe in this circumstance where Jesus is calling a new disciple unto himself, Levi or Matthew, As he's calling him to him, I believe we see three aspects, three truths, right, about these callings of sinners. Number one, I believe Jesus calls the ones who are unlikable. Did you hear me? Jesus calls the ones who are unlikable. Have you ever felt unlikable? Like, have you ever felt like nobody in the room liked you? Like nobody wanted to be around you? You ever felt like that? Unlikable? Well, Jesus, he calls the ones who are unlikable. In this passage of Scripture, I'm specifically talking about Levi, also known as Matthew. He was a tax collector. So what does that mean? Well, he was a Jew collecting taxes from Jews, but he was giving the money to Rome. He was not a likable guy. He was unlikable. Listen, tax collectors, they were notorious in this day. They were notorious for taking money from their own people and giving it to Romans, and while they were at it, scraping a little bit off the top for themselves. The tax collectors in this day were the ones with the bigger houses, with the nicer stuff, right? 
with the better choice of meat to eat. Those kinds of things. Listen, they were notorious amongst their fellow brothers and sisters. And so Levi was an unlikable guy. They were looked down upon in their society. You know what they were? You know what they were considered? They were considered traitors. How could you? How could you do this to us for them? They were considered abusers of their own people. And because of that, they really had no place of belonging. Think about this for a moment. Levi, he didn't belong to Rome. Rome, Rome looked down on him because he was a Jew, even though he was collecting money for him. But that's all they wanted from him. They didn't want anything else from him. They just said, give us the money. And then his own people didn't want to be around him because he was taking their money and giving it to Rome and then keeping some for himself. So, so Levi was an unlikable guy. They were unlikable in their society. And then here comes Jesus, right? Do you think it was an accident he was walking along this way? Do you think it just happened to be a coincidence that he was out by the lake teaching and then he just coincidentally walked on this path and that Levi's tax collector booth would be there? You don't read the same Bible I do if you think that was a coincidence. This was a divine moment. This was a moment that he saw way before Levi was ever born. He knew who Levi was. He knew what Levi was. Did you hear me? He didn't just know who he was. He knew what he was. I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus knew what everybody else around him thought about him. He knew that he was unlikable. And what did Jesus say to him? Two words. Follow me. Follow me. He called Levi unto himself. Levi counted the cost. I mean, that's what he was good at anyway, right? Counting the cost. Levi counted the cost, and what does Mark say? I love Mark because Mark, he doesn't beat around the bush. Mark says that Jesus said to him, follow me, and what's the very next words? Levi got up. <laughs> Levi got up and followed him. In other words, Levi left the booth, left the money in the booth, left everything, and, and just started following Jesus. I, I mean, he followed Jesus. Listen, this was an incredible turn. In Levi, this was an incredible turn in his life. Listen, once he left that station, Rome would not have him back. He couldn't say, hey, Rome, uh, I made a mistake. That guy's crazy. I'm, I'm coming back to my tax booth. Nope, nope, nope. It's over, son. You're done. You left your booth. That's somebody else's booth now. So, so now Rome has turned their back on him. And look, his own people had already turned their back on him. Why? Because he was unlikable. Did that stop Jesus? Did that matter to Jesus? Nope. See, Jesus calls the ones who are unlikable. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're not liked by this group or that group or by all groups. Maybe you just feel like you're the unlikable one in the room. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loves you. And Jesus has a plan and a purpose for you. And Jesus is calling you to himself. Not only that, Jesus calls the ones who are unwanted. Not just the ones who are unlikable, but the ones who are unwanted. As you can see, Levi, he throws a celebration at his house. And Jesus and the disciples are his guests. Now, some theologians actually go so far to say that, hey, Jesus isn't really the guest, he's really the host. He's the reason 
that they're celebrating. And so some theologians say that Jesus is actually what they would call the guest host. He's the one doing the inviting, and he's the one doing the calling of people to come eat with him and to sit down and fellowship with him. It just happened to be in Levi's house. But I'm going to tell you something. Either way, because I, I, I don't have a preference one way or the other. Either way, look who comes to the celebration. Look at the words. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. So this isn't just... Listen, this isn't just Jeff's table, right, with eight chairs around it or ten chairs around it. Oh, oh no, this, 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 is, this is a big party, right? I don't know about you, but when I see the word many, I think of full, right? Last night we had that wild game supper, and, and, and we had a lot of tables and a lot of chairs out, and a lot of tables and a lot of chairs had people sitting at them, right? That, that, was, a, that, that, was, that was a full crowd. That was many last night. I'm going to tell you, I believe what, what Mark says. I believe what the Bible says. That house was stuffed with people. Stuffed with people. And they happened to be tax collectors and sinners. Now, what were they celebrating? I, I, listen, I believe they were celebrating new life. I believe they heard and saw what happened to Levi. And I believe they were celebrating for Levi and with Levi. But I also believe they knew Jesus was there. And, and when people knew Jesus was there, what did they do? They went to him. And so he turned from his old way of life. He began to follow the life. And the life was there in his house. And so we see that those who were unwanted in society, because think about this. Generally, the only people tax collectors sat down and ate with were other tax collectors. (laughs) Because nobody else wanted to be with them or around them. I'm going to tell you something about sinners. The only people that would be around sinners during this day Guess who it would be? Other sinners. None of the other people wanted to be around with them. And so usually the only fellowship tax collectors got was fellowship with other tax collectors. The only fellowship that sinners ever got was fellowship with other sinners. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus wanted to be there. Don't miss this. Jesus wanted to be in Levi's house. Because when Jesus wanted to go somewhere, he did. He didn't ask permission. And he didn't poll the audience to see, hey, where should we go next? Listen, if Jesus followed the orders of man, then when Simon Peter came to get him and tell him there was a bunch of people lined up at his mama's house, his mother-in-law's house, Jesus would have went. But when that happened, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to Mark chapter 1, okay? What did he do? He said, well, then let's go somewhere else. Since you want me to go there, and since you want to make ministry about what you want it to be about, then let's go somewhere else. And they went somewhere else. So Jesus didn't just go to this house because he went there because he wanted to be there. And he knew who would be there, right? Jesus knew who was going to be at Levi's house. It was going to be the people who may have wanted to be with him. Who would that be? Other tax collectors, sinners the ones who were looked down upon in society. I love what Pastor Daniel Aiken says about the term sinners. Listen to this. He says the term sinners used in this passage is actually a technical term for the common people in his society who did not live by the rigid rules of the Pharisees. So when you see Mark use the word sinners, remember his audience. Mark wrote to the Roman audience. Okay? Matthew in his gospel, wrote to the Jewish audience. 
But Mark is writing to the Roman audience. So when he uses words, he wants them to know what those words mean. And so the word sinner here, right, when he says sinners were at the house, he's talking about that common group of people that were looked down upon in society because they didn't live by that rigid set of rules that the Pharisees made. These were the ones who were alienated and rejected by society. Again, they were unwanted. Dr. Tony Evans says this, (laughs) talking about the Pharisees. He says, this scene was just way too much for the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because they kept themselves physically separated from these unclean people. Jesus wanted Levi. He wanted Levi. That's why he looked at Levi in the eye. He got close to him and said, follow me. He wanted Levi. Don't miss this. He wanted him. And I'm not going to stop there because we're going to get in Mark chapter 3 and I'm going to show you what I mean when I say Jesus wanted him. But we'll get there another day. But Jesus, he wanted Levi. Jesus wanted Levi. Listen to me. Jesus wanted all these tax collectors. Jesus wanted all these sinners. He wanted to have fellowship with them. He wanted them to have fellowship with him. Jesus wanted that. And I'm going to tell you, Levi and all of those gathered there that day, I believe two truths about them. I believe, number one, they were humbled. I believe they were humbled. I believe they knew, in fact, who Jesus was. Now, I'm not saying they were all saved in that room. I'm not saying that, okay? I believe each one of them had to have that step on their own. But I do believe they were humbled that the Master the Messiah, Jesus, the one that everybody was talking about was in that house and that they were able to be there with him. Because what other Pharisee would do that? What other teacher of the law, what other religious person would do that? There wasn't one. So I believe they were humbled that Jesus was there teaching the Word of God. I also believe they were thankful. They were thankful to celebrate. To celebrate with someone who wanted to be with them. I believe that. And so what we see in this passage is we see that Jesus will do whatever he has to do to call the ones who are unlikable. Jesus will do whatever he has to do to call the ones who are unwanted. He wants to be with them. But I'm going to show you this because we ain't done with the Pharisees just yet. We ain't done with the teachers of the law just yet. What we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus also calls the ones who are unhealthy. The ones who are unhealthy. And Jesus, he uses the exact words. He uses these exact words. He calls the ones who are unhealthy. Now listen, I'm not talking about the ones who are physically unhealthy. I'm talking about the ones who are spiritually unhealthy. Because remember, if Jesus touched someone, if Jesus spoke to someone, if Jesus healed someone, it was always, always, always spiritual first. Physical second. Always. And so Jesus calls the ones who are unhealthy As we see the teachers of the law, we see their response, right? They see what's happening. Can you just imagine with me for just a moment? It doesn't say the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were in the house with them. And we know they weren't because they wouldn't do that. They ain't going in the house with a bunch of tax collectors and a bunch of sinners because they think they're unclean and they can't be physically with them. So can you imagine what they're probably doing? They're probably like walking by the street, right? looking at the house. Oh, wait, wait, there's, there's, a, there's a blind that hadn't been pulled. Let's see what's going on. And they, they get kind of close to that window. They're looking in that window, 
And they see Jesus in there with all those tax collectors and all those sinners. And, man, they just start, what in the world is this guy doing? Who does he think he is? Does he understand who he's with? Does he understand those are the most unlikable people in our culture? Does he understand that those are the most unwanted people in our culture? Does he understand? They had all these questions. Listen, it shouldn't surprise us that they respond this way. How did they respond to the paralytic who was healed just a few verses earlier? Do you remember how they responded? They responded with questions and labels. Do you remember what they labeled Jesus when he said what he said and did what he did? They said, he's a blasphemer. That means he's against God, right? That's what it means. He's a blasphemer. He's not of God. He's not from God. He's not for God. He's against God. That's what they labeled him. On, On the other hand, what did everybody else do that day when the paralytic was healed? You remember what it said? It said they praised God. So we see two different responses to the message of Jesus, his words and his actions. We see questions and labels, and we see praise. And where were the Pharisees in that? Questions and labels. And guess where we find them again today? Questions. Their response shouldn't surprise us. This time, see, it pours out of their mouths. If you'll remember last time, where was it? It was in their hearts and their minds. They never said anything, but Jesus knew, and Jesus called them out on it. This time, they actually opened their dumb mouths. Yeah, I said that. You want to know why? Because I've been a dumb Pharisee a bunch of times. See, I can talk about it when I've been part of it. This time, they opened their mouths. But instead of going to Jesus, where'd they go? Instead of going to the one they had a problem with, where'd they go? They went to somebody else. Whoo, I could preach a whole other sermon on that. Instead of going to the one they had a problem with, they went to somebody else. All right, I'm going I'm to stay on track. So they went to Jesus' disciples with their question. And I'm going to tell you something. No matter how low their voices may have been, right, maybe they motioned for some of the disciples, hey, come here, come here for a second. Or maybe they went up to the window and one of the disciples kind of lifted the window, what you want? I don't, I, listen, I don't care how low their voices was. I don't care how they were trying to hide it. Guess what? Jesus knew. He knew what was on their heart. He knew what was on their mind, and he knew what was coming out of their mouth. And so what did Jesus do? I'm going to tell you what he did. He made the most of the moment to teach. Do you see that? He made the most of this moment to teach. That's what he did. Listen, the ones who need the doctor are the ones who are sick, and they know they're sick. Not the ones who are well and think they are well. That's what Jesus said. I I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the unrighteous. I didn't come to to heal the healthy. I came to heal the sick. And, And listen, the ones who are sick are the ones that know they're sick. Jesus, what he did here was he taught, he responded to the criticism of the Pharisees with a very ironic statement. Listen, the Pharisees indeed needed the same spiritual doctor that every tax collector and every sinner needed in that house. They needed that doctor too. But here's the thing. They looked past their own sickness and looked at somebody else's sickness. That's what they did. They avoided their own sickness by focusing on somebody else's. And so, however... What happens here, based on their actions, they didn't recognize, right? They didn't recognize their spiritual sickness because they were so, so busy looking at others. 
But they, they had a good message, didn't they? Think about this for just a moment. I'm not trying to trick you. The Pharisees actually had a pretty good message, didn't they? Do you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to honor God. They really did. Go back and look at it. They, they wanted to honor God. Listen, they wanted to keep God's commands. They had a pretty good message. The problem is they just didn't understand that neither them nor anyone else could do it. Not in and of themselves. You know what we see here is we see a bunch of guys who say one thing but do something else. There's a word for that, right? There's a word that we, we use for that. Hip, say, it, say it again. I can't hear you. What's that word again? Y'all don't like to say that word, do you? Like, like, like there's some people that's pretty confident. And they're like, hypocrite. And there's some people like, hypocrite. We don't like to say that word, do we? You know why we don't like to say that word? Because we're guilty. We're guilty. But we don't like nobody telling us we're guilty, do we? We don't even like to tell ourselves we're guilty. I'm going to tell you what we see right here. We see blatant hypocrisy. That the teachers of the law were not responding with humility and thankfulness. Who was responding with humility and thankfulness? The ones in the room with Jesus. The ones who were having fellowship with Jesus. They were humble. They were thankful. What we see is we see the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, responding with questions and maybe even anger. And I'm going to tell you something. There was nothing. There was no word, no sentence. There was nothing the disciples could give those Pharisees to satisfy their hearts. You want to know why? Because they had already made their mind up that this guy's a blasphemer. This guy ain't doing it the way it's supposed to be done. They had already started pointing their fingers, right? They had already started accusing, right? Accusations. They had already started labeling. And listen, their hearts, right, were now pouring out of their mouths. What they at first would think they were hiding, now it's starting to pour out and it's just obvious. But, But I want you to understand something about the Pharisees, okay? So people ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, in the Bible, you've got all these groups, you've got scribes, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you've got this group called Sadducees. Well, well let, me, let me just explain to you about the Pharisees. I, I don't have enough time to explain in great detail, but I'm going to try to help you here. The term Pharisee, what it means is separated one. That's what it means. Pharisee means separated one. Uh, Pastor Henry Halley says this could be viewed as separated from the masses, Or it could mean separated to study and interpret law. Pastor Henry Halley goes on to tell us that the Pharisees were the largest group, the most influential group at this time in Israel. Did you know that there were over 6,000 Pharisees during this time? 6,000. This group, the Pharisees, they actually controlled the synagogues in the cities. They controlled the synagogues. They were made up of middle class people. And because of this, because they were the middle class of society, they garnered more support among the people than any other group. But here's the truth about the Pharisees. They opposed Jesus because Jesus did not accept and embrace their interpretations of the law. So Jesus doesn't embrace and accept the way we interpret the law, and so he is a blasphemer. That's what happened. Okay, and look, I could go into a lot more detail than that, but I'm not. 
There's another group called the Sadducees. Now, when you look at the Sadducees, and when I think about them, I think it's pretty obvious they were sad people. But that's a whole other story. The Sadducees, you'll get that later. The sad you see, like sad and you see it. Anyway, the Sadducees, they were the more aristocratic group. Okay, So they were much like the Pharisees, but they were aristocratic. What does that mean? They were upper-class citizens. As a matter of fact, the Sadducees were made up primarily of priestly families. Priestly families. They controlled the temple. The one temple, they controlled it. They controlled the services of that temple. And so this group, as you can imagine, they were more political in nature. The Pharisees didn't want to get all into it with with Rome. The Sadducees didn't have no problem getting into it with Rome because they were political. And the Sadducees, they opposed Jesus because their powerful positions and their earthly wealth was at stake. So the Pharisees opposed Jesus because they didn't embrace, that Jesus didn't embrace the way they interpreted the law. The Sadducees didn't embrace Jesus because they were afraid of losing their power and their wealth. Does that help a little bit? If you didn't understand, like, the difference between those groups? But, but, but either way, either way, what we see is we see two overly religious groups. Overly religious groups put other people down. That's what we see. Put other people down so that they can stay in power. So they had that in common. They had that in common. Now, what we see here is we see Jesus teaching them. Don't miss this. Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that this group of people, they were opposed, right? That they opposed him. They were against him. They weren't for him. He knew that they were trying to cut him down. But do you notice that Jesus did not attack them? Do you notice that in this passage? He didn't attack them. He responded to their criticism by teaching them. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. What was he saying? You think you're good. So just go on. I'm here for these who know that they're sick. See, I didn't come to call the righteous. You think you're righteous. Then go on about your way. I came, I came for the ones who are unhealthy, the ones who need spiritual healing. And so, before I get us all ramped up on, and pointing holy fingers at the Pharisees, I just want to bring us back to the truth of this passage, right? I want to bring us back to the truth of Jesus' life, His work, and His proclamation. Jesus made it very clear to us in the Gospels that He came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus made it very clear in the Gospel that we can repent of our sin and believe the good news and experience life change. You know what that means? That means everyone, the ones who are unlikable, like Levi, the ones who are unwanted, like the tax collectors and the sinners, the ones who are unhealthy. You know what that means? That means Jews, Romans, Gentiles, lower class, middle class, upper class, and yes, that even means teachers of the law. I I, I would go to John because to show you Jesus' heart for all people, including the Pharisees, all you got to do is go look at the conversation he had with Nicodemus. Go look at it. 
You tell me Jesus didn't want Nicodemus to know who he was and to know what true life was. A Pharisee, right? See, what we find in this passage of Scripture and what we find in every passage of Scripture is that Jesus is the friend of sinners. That's who he is. I don't know if that humbles you or not, but that humbles me. I I, I don't know if that causes you to be thankful, but that sure causes me to be thankful. See, what I see in this passage of Scripture, what I see so far in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1, and yes, even here in Mark chapter 2, is that Jesus teaches the sinners. Not only does he teach the sinners, Jesus touches the sinners, right? He touches them. When nobody else wants to touch a leper, Jesus will. I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus calls the sinners. When nobody else calls the sinners to come have a dinner with him, fellowship with him, and live life with him, look, Jesus does. Jesus teaches sinners, touches sinners. He calls sinners. And why does he do that? I'm going to tell you why. For healing. For full, eternal life. Jesus wants you to have life full and eternal, and that's what it's all about. Every word he speaks, every action he takes, the ultimate action he took when he died on the cross, when he died on the cross, he did that so that you might have life full and eternal, and he didn't care if you were a Pharisee, a tax collector, a sinner, or who you were. All he knew was was that you needed him, and he was willing to give himself up for you. So whether you're unlikable, whether you're unwanted, or whether you're unhealthy, Jesus has a message for you. And that message is, I love you. All you got to do is repent of your sin and believe in me, and you will have life full and eternal to the glory of God. What an awesome passage of Scripture. What an what a awesome message. I don't know where you are right now in this life. I don't know who you are right now in this life. But I do know this. Every one of us in this room, before righteous and almighty God, we are sinners. And we have the same problem. And that problem is separation from God because of our sin. And there's only one healing, one healing that can make that right. And that is healing through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. It ain't about a title. It ain't about a service. It ain't about an action here or there. It ain't about doing something for this person or doing something with this group. It's all about what do I do with my heart. I'm going to follow Levi here. The best thing you can do today, if you're sitting in this room and you know right now, you know the Holy Spirit has convicted you. You know that you've never truly repented of your sin. You've never truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You need to do what Levi do. Just get up. Just get up and follow him right now. I mean, before Brother Andy hits the stage and starts the invitation, you ought to be on your way. Do it right now. Don't wait. You want to know why? Because you ain't promised another breath. You ain't promised another day. Jesus ain't waiting for you to get your life right. What he's waiting on is for you to say yes to him. Because he'll get your life right. Because you'll never do it. I've never gotten my life right. Have I made... Better decisions? Sure I have, but I have not done anything to get my life right. Jesus Christ got me right. Jesus Christ got me right. And he's still getting me right every day. (laughs) I pray today 
that you'll drop everything, that you'll count the cost like Levi did and drop everything and follow Jesus before it's too late. He calls the unlikable, he calls the unwanted, and he calls the unhealthy. And I have been all three. But not anymore. Because Jesus wants me. Jesus loves me. And I've said yes.